Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is September 25th, 2023, and I'm joined today in studio by IPI's resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And today, Dr. Matthews, we're going to talk about one of your recent pieces in The Hill, Lessons from Government Shutdowns. And this is a very timely topic because in just a few days, on September 30th, mm-hmm. is going to be the last day of the fiscal year of the federal government. And if they've not come up with some sort of a funding mechanism by midnight September 30th, the government will enter into more or less of a shutdown. Yes. And, you know, that's it, it's not unusual for them to do that. It's interesting because um, you have Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, trying to work out some kind of deal among Republicans in the House to be able to pass something to, to get it over to the Senate. It's probably not whatever that can pass the House right now, at least on the first round, probably won't pass the Senate. So the Senate may make some changes and send it back to the House. So they don't have a lot of time to do this. But there's a lot of attention as the news looks on the, looks at this thing and wonders, are we, are we in store for another government shutdown? But I'll just run through the history on this a little bit so our listeners will know. There have been roughly 21 government shutdowns, uh, starting with uh, Gerald Ford in 1976. So I've just got the number here. Jimmy Carter, there was one shutdown in Gerald Ford's time, okay. five in Jimmy Carter's time, eight in Ronald Reagan's time. One under George Herbert Walker Bush, um, two under Bill Clinton, one under Barack Obama, and three under Donald Trump. Most of those, especially in the early, early days, were fairly short. Uh, you had, I said, you had eight with Reagan. There was they mostly, you know, one to two days, something like that. And oftentimes these were done over a weekend. So Friday came up. They were come up Friday. They they shut down the government. Negotiators worked over the weekend, and by Monday or Tuesday they had a deal. So most of them were fairly short, um, but there's been some that were significantly longer. And some of the longest ones are, I think there was four what they consider major shutdowns. uh, But Donald Trump had uh, uh, a couple of those. Well, actually, Bill Clinton had two of them. One was uh, 21 days and one was five days. Uh, But it was Donald Trump had the major one that we remember, December 22nd, 2018 to January 25. That's considered the longest one in 34 days. Mm. Um, But it was also a partial shutdown because they had passed five of the 12 government funding bills so that it was only the seven other agencies that are uh, related to that that were that were being shut down. And that was that one was for uh, Donald Trump won five billion dollars for his Wall, for the wall, wall, exactly right. And they were willing to come up with about like one point three billion or something like that. But he was he wanted five billion. So we've had a number of them over the years. There's something else that I've noticed going through that list that you went through, mm-hmm. and that is remember that until two years into Bill Clinton's first term, the Democrats had total control of the House of Representatives. Yes. So what that means is that those government shutdowns were not necessarily purely you know, partisan Democrats versus Republicans. Right. Because you you had, you know, you had Democrats in control of at least one and often both houses of Congress. And that was certainly true during the Reagan years that you had uh, Democrats in almost all of those years Mm -hmm. in control of the House and Senate. So 
the real bump was against uh, President Reagan, who kept asking them to uh, to cut spending. So the first one of Reagan's in eight, in 1981, November 20 to November 23rd, he was asking for a cut in eight of 8.4 billion dollars in domestic spending, and they didn't want to give him that much. So v- eventually, they came to a compromise, and they went on to the next one. But um, so a lot of these were. It's interesting that prior to Oh, the last five, six years, much of what was uh, the f- source was a Republican trying to get them to cut spending. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Democrats trying to increase spending. And now, you know, lately it's been more uh, how much we're going to increase. Spending. Right. Exactly. Um, and well, let's talk about sort of this current shutdown that, that is possibly looming in the future. Um the dynamic here is like all the drama is on the Republican side. Yes. Because there are Republicans who are essentially demanding spending cuts and other changes in policy that, that they know they can't get through, but they're demanding it anyway, right. just for symbolic purposes or for purposes of exercising power. Um, our media. Or, 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 gaining, or building their own brand, exactly. Uh, and you've got a situation where the Republicans only have what is it a four seat majority yeah. in the in the House of Representatives? So everybody has a disproportionate amount of power when you've got a majority that narrow, and just two or three people could really gum up the works. But on the other hand, Speaker McCarthy does not have a big enough Republican majority to just ram through what Republicans want. Right, which Nancy Pelosi often did yes. when she was head of the, exactly. Speaker of the House. But he also then can't go and try to get by with a handful of Democrat votes either, because mm-hmm. they would also hang him out to dry if he tried to do that. Right. Although, you know, you have to wonder at some point, I mean, we've seen, you know, both both John Boehner and Paul Ryan, both as Speaker, finally decide at some point, you know what? This is more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. You know, I mean, constantly having people make unrealistic demands of me as as if, you know, I, I picture myself being being Speaker McCarthy thinking, am I am I the only person here who can count? You know, because <laughs> you're you're not going to succeed here. There's there's no amount of shutting. There's no shutdown of government that is going to get your way. And that's because almost always Republicans get blamed yes. for government shutdowns. It's a very important point because they the what happens is even if the Democrats are the problem, the media will side with the Democrats and they ultimately blame the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Now, you can probably make the case that this is the Republicans this time, yeah. but the Republicans are, are going to take the blame for this. And as the media, as, as the government shuts down and the media starts highlighting people who come on and say, ah, I've, I've been out of work for, you know, three days or a week or something, and I can't, you know, I'm a government employee and I have I can't go to work. I'm not getting paid. The kids are hungry. We can't make our our house payment or our car payment or something that those those stories, some of them compelling, will run uh, continuously. And it just sort of creates a real, I don't know, a sense in the government uh, in, in the country that. Why don't the Republicans just do something? Why are they so bad about this? I have um, almost vivid memories of the first big government shutdown fight between the new Republican House of Representatives and Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, Republicans 
kind of kind of don't like government anyway, yeah. you know? So, like, it, it ain't hurting me if the government shuts down, right? So there was very much an attitude on the part of Republicans that, look, fine, if the president won't compromise with us, we'll shut the government down and the American people will wake up the next morning and they'll say, what do you know, the sun came out? They'll uh, they'll turn on the shower and water will come out of the shower. The toast will still pop up out of the toaster. Uh, their car will still work. And it may dawn on them. Maybe this is this glorious teaching moment that we can show people that they don't need the federal government as much as they think they do. Well, that's not how it played out. Right. And that's generally the case. Yeah. But it's, it's not, not how it that, plays out. That is not how it played out. And I, I remember that part of this issue was this issue that Republicans simply wanted to slow the rate of growth right. of entitlement <clears throat> spending. Mm-hmm. And Newt Gingrich and the Republicans kept saying, we're not cutting anything. We're slowing the rate of growth. We're going to spend more next year than we did this year. We just want to slow the rate of growth. But Democrats would say they're cutting, they're cutting, they're cutting. And most importantly, the media would report that Republicans want to cut. Spending. Right. I, I, I was around at that time and I was I heard Newt say what we're going to do is we'll go to we'll go to the American people. And we'll show them that we aren't cutting anything. The government's still going to, and this was Medicare especially. Mm-hmm. The uh, Medicare is still going to grow, and we're just slowing the rate of growth. So we'll just explain it to the American people. Nobody paid attention to that. Nope. I, I remember riding in taxis at the time in Washington, and I and getting us talking a little bit to the taxi driver. That was before Uber. And I said, um, I, I'd say, you know, what, what do you think? Well, these Republicans are trying to cut Medicare. They're trying to yep. cut the government. That message of we're just slowing the rate of growth got through to nobody, and Republicans took a huge beating for that. And and a good reason is what you mentioned earlier, that the media is not a neutral arbiter. Right. So, you know, some Democrat would be on on the news saying the Republicans are, are cutting Medicare, and the moderator or host or whatever would not interrupt and say, well, actually what they're doing is slowing the rate of... No, they would let them get away with it. Absolutely. And and so that's why almost all... I was going to say almost always, but I think always. It's always Republicans who end up getting blamed for government shutdowns. And that's why at some point the Republican congressional leadership decided, hey, shutdowns are bad for us. We want to try to avoid them. We don't want to do it on purpose. We we, We need to do whatever we can do to try to avoid a government shutdown because we will get blamed for it. Even if the cause is righteous. The fight will not be because you've got both the Democrats and the media against them. And the media can run story after story after story. And they're already starting right now. I've already heard, uh, at least today, a couple of news stories uh, where they're talking about uh, federal employees who are concerned that if they end up getting laid off for a while, they may not be able to make the car payment or the house payment or other types of things, and so it's already started. And it wasn't just that. Remember, some cases, they closed the parks. And so people, then they go to tourists who are, we drove all the way from, you know, five states over to go to the park, and then we got here and the parks closed. And those kinds of stories run time after time. For Republicans, a government shutdown like this is a complete minefield, because first of all, it is Republicans who generally do want to control the growth of government, slow the rate of growth of government. So, you know, it, it, we, we can't say well, that's not what we're trying to do. But by and large, the American people fear the government not being fully operational right. all the time, again, because of this idea somehow that, that our lives all depend on all of those bureaucrats sitting at their desks. For Democrats, 
it's almost like they can just sit back and rub their hands in glee because the longer it goes on, the more it damages Republicans. And and there's for 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 Democrats, that's the end game. The end game of a government shutdown is Republicans take take a hit. Yeah. For Republicans, sometimes they go into these government shutdowns and they don't even have an end game. No. And no, I'm, they don't. I'm reminded of the particularly infamous uh, government shutdown uh, that Senator Ted Cruz caused. Right. Over repealing Obamacare. It's defunding, I think. De- defunding Obamacare. And the the problem was he had no end game. Right. There, there, there was no, okay, so then what happens? And then what happens? And how does this lead to you actually succeeding at your goal? And th- there was there was no way that it was going to succeed. Yeah, he he had he had told the House, and the House was Republican, the the Senate was Democratic. If you, the House, will defund Obamacare in your legislation. We'll be able to pull enough Democrats in the Senate to be able to support that. And I, I don't know what the guy was thinking because no. there was no Democrat who was going to do that. Right. And the the irony here is that as Obamacare rolled out, and this is October 1st through the shutdown went, to, I think, October 16 or 17 in 2013. So the Obamacare website went up on October 1st, 2013. People were going to try to, to go there and enroll so that they could start the insurance at the beginning of the year in 2014. Well, the, the Democrats had made an absolute mess of the website. Yeah, the website it didn't was work. a disaster. Right? It, it was a disaster. And I, I still remember Congressman Burgess d- taking pictures of him trying to sign up on it and the thing's just spinning. It di- it's not working. And so forth. And so you could have had a lot of attention to that, but you didn't get the attention to that because everybody was focused on the government shutdown. Yeah. It, even Cruz's Republican fellow senators were essentially angry with him because it was like, this is this is essentially just a stunt. I mean, the, the end yeah. result of this is you're not going to accomplish your goal. You're just going to get a lot of attention for yourself. And I think Ted Cruz has never gained back his political influence mm-hmm. and the goodwill of his colleagues since then, because it really, it, there was no end game. And so to, to me, if, if as a Republican, you're going to say, okay, our strategy is to force a government shutdown and here's the end game. Here's how we're going to play this out. Here's how this is going to work to our advantage. And they don't do it. Yeah. And there is no way that it's going to work out to their advantage. And we should point out that even now, as we speak, some Republicans, including President Trump, former President Trump, have suggested that, well, if we can't get what we want, we'll just let the government shut down and we'll teach them a lesson. Uh, but the people who get taught lessons are Republicans who are sitting there getting beaten up by the uh, yeah. by the media. Now, the way you end up in a situation like this is by Congress not having already done its job. Right. Right. The, the Congress is supposed to pass a number of appropriations 12 bills. bills, 12 appropriations bills. And if they if they do nothing else in a Congress... They're supposed to pass these 12 appropriation bills. And you mentioned an earlier government shutdown where some of the appropriate bills had been passed and some had not. Right. Uh, but we're to the point right now where, where almost no appropriations bills ever get passed. Maybe defense. And that's about it. And so you end up with these last minute continuing resolutions where they essentially just say, OK, we'll just take last year's spending, bump it up by 5 percent, and that's it. And they're called CRs, continuing resolutions. And 
That's a bad way to govern. I, and, and my guess is that's probably what they'll come up with at the last minute or maybe a few days into the... There's almost no the, other option because you can't no, pass right. appropriations bills under such a short time frame. Right. You just can't. So what they, what they will probably do is come up with some kind of continuing resolution that says, give us, give us another two or three weeks, a month to try to work this out, and then we'll, maybe that gets done, maybe it doesn't, and then they push it to December, and then they're trying to get something yeah. done right before they go home. And so when you govern by continuing resolution, what that means is that no one at any time has actually sat down and said, is there a single dollar or a single program from last year that needs to be modified or changed or eliminated? Typically that doesn't happen. Right. Yet. So everything just, this is why government programs are the closest thing to eternal life <laughs> is because only through the normal process of committees holding hearings and looking at their spending and doing appropriations bills, is there, is there any chance of saying, you know what, this program is duplicative or this program has served its purpose, accomplished what it set out to do. Or, you know, we, we found a better way to do it than this. That, that process literally doesn't happen when you do a continuing resolution. And so we continue to spend trillions of dollars and we continue to add trillions of dollars to the national debt with zero congressional oversight or scrutiny. And you know what? The, the, I think in some ways the worst part about this is when they finally come to an agreement, because we have an expectation they'll come to an agreement they always have. It may be a few days. It may be weeks. But they'll come to an agreement. And then when things get going again, the public comes up and says, why, why can't these people just work these things out? Right. Because, you know, they'll say, I, you know, I have this other person. I've got this person at work or this other person. I have to work things out with them. Why, do, why can't they do that? And I hear that frequently after the government shutdown is over when people, why can't these people just come together? If they know they're going to come to a solution, why don't they go ahead and get that done and then save all the drama from uh, and the, the pain it caused some people who were out of work? Yeah, and I, I think there's probably several answers to that question, why can't they do it? I think in some cases they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I think in some cases I think, I think it may be that part of the Democrat strategy is to not do it and to go with the C and force a CR. I think we have people in Congress today who, who never had any intention of doing the work of being a member of Congress. Uh, they're using Congress as a platform to get on TV, to build their brand, uh, to raise money. Own the libs, as they sometimes exactly. say. You know, they're, they're, they don't have a legislative strategy. They have a communication strategy. Yeah, they're there to build their brand. And they, they didn't come to Washington to, to stay up all night tonight under a green lampshade looking at line-by-line -line budget numbers. That's not fun. What's fun is going on Fox News and bloviating about something. So... I think there's lots of reasons why Congress isn't doing this. What I do think the American people should be extremely frustrated about is a Congress that is constantly intruding into your life in unnecessary ways, while at the same time not doing the most basic fundamental job that they have. They're, they're busy trying to find ways to take away your gas cooktop, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're busy trying to find ways to force you to electrify your house and not have your, your gas clothes dryer. Uh, they're spending a great amount of time trying to regulate carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. I mean, they're, they're doing all these things, taking things away from us that work and forcing us to buy things that don't work. But at the meantime, they can't even do the most basic job that you have, which is 
pass appropriations bills that are reasonable and that don't put the country further and further into debt. But they can't be bothered to do that because that's not that's not what's fun about being a member of Congress. But of course, in fairness, there's uh, there's a whole lot of members of Congress who don't who aren't worried about going further and further into debt. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, it's if you have in times past when you had a real debate over how do we do this, how do we not spend much more, how do we make this this bill or that bill fiscally prudent? Is there other places we can cut? Uh, that's that's largely gone. It's yep. the Democrats, by and large, are willing to spend virtually anything. Modern Democrats will be a little more reserved in it, but you've got a number of other Democrats who are willing to spend anything, and Republicans who are who want to spend less, and just a handful who would actually like to see real cuts. Yep. Um, but you can't. It, it's it's no, a think, tough situation. I, it, it's way more fun. It's way more fun, and it's and it and the folks back home, for the most part, like it better when you're spending money than when you're cutting spending or reducing mm-hmm. spending. And you know, back to my point about not wanting to do the work of legislating, you'll never see a member of Congress post on Instagram a picture of them. You know, with with a pencil going through a line by line committee budget report or something like that. That's not a great Instagram post. The the great Instagram post is, hey, look at me on Fox News or hey, look at me on on CNN or Newsmax or whatever. That's what they're there to do, unfortunately. And you know, there is the question: if if you keep spending money that we don't have. Do you either take the country to a fiscal cliff or do you end up putting enough pressure that they have to raise taxes, which I think the Democrats hope yep. happens? Yep. No. Well, obviously. Right. That's just that's basic math. Right. Um, I, I'll tell you I'll tell you one more thing. I think the, the purpose of this podcast is not to talk about the dysfunction of Congress. But when you're talking about government shutdowns and CRs, that, that kind of is the point is dysfunction of Congress. I am persuaded that putting TV cameras in committee rooms and on the floor of, of the House and Senate was a terrible mistake mm. by retrospect. And we've all we've all learned a lot from being able to watch C-SPAN at dramatic moments and things like that. But there used to be deal making. You know what I mean? You used to say, OK, look, here's what I want. That's what you want. OK, how about you give me what I want? I'll give you what there used to be deal making and stuff like that that went on. It went on in committees during markups and things like that. And it was largely done in secret. Transparency is usually a good thing, but I think transparency is not always a good thing. You, you, you can't negotiate trade agreements on C-SPAN. No one would ever be able to give, right? You got to be able to give in order to take. You got to be able to negotiate. You got to be able to compromise. And I think putting cameras in Congress, in committee meetings and, and in the main chambers has contributed toward a, a lack of frank frank debate frank discussion and deal making and has promoted bloviating yes. and and that type of thing so That's you have right. remember senator cory booker at one of the uh, uh confirmation hearings of one of uh trump's supreme court nominees i am spartacus yeah 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 I, just yeah. that kind of stuff exactly you know they come up with these things to try to get attention because it's on television. You would not become a celebrity member of Congress if the only time your constituents saw you was when you were holding a town hall. Mm-hmm. That would not make you a celebrity. But TV cameras allow you to become a celebrity. And again, that goes back to the point about essentially being in Congress for communication and media purposes rather than legislative purposes. Well, what do you think? What do you think the odds are of a government shutdown or a deal? Uh, I, I think if you were a betting 
person right now, about 10 days away from it, nine days away from it, you'd have to say, good chance we're going to have a shutdown. It may be that it's small, a short one, because most of them have been fairly short. Uh, and those that were long tended to be over the Christmas holiday. So they they ended up walking out or deciding to, they can't do anything on December 18, 19, something like yeah. this, and come to some kind of uh, resolution either early or late January. But we don't have that for a while. So Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd bet on a shutdown, and I'd bet on a shutdown because— Honestly, there's just there's a number of Republicans right now in the House of Representatives that would just as soon burn the place down. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 they're quite they're quite content to just cause havoc. They're, that that doesn't bother them. They think it helps them. It might hurt Republicans as a whole, but it helps them with their brand building and with their attention seeking. Well, on that note, thank you for joining us for this episode. We would invite you to check out our website at IPI.org and to sign up there to receive notices of all of our new podcasts, new content, and upcoming events. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You can also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.